amazing weekend, seriously. We have been pushing to the limit all the time. Sub jump, 60, two left by now. Welcome everyone to the thrilling final round of the Junior WRC. We've been to Sweden, France, Italy and Finland this year and the final round will take place at the iconic Wales Rally GB. One of the tightest title fights we've had in years will be played out in the slippery wet forests next week. We cannot wait for it all to get started and to see what the outcome will be. The build-up all year has been fantastic, competition has been fierce and the drivers and co-drivers have put their absolute all into it. I'm Bex Williams and joining me is junior guru himself, Seb Scott. There's a massive sense of anticipation, Seb, isn't there? Ahead of a huge weekend in GB. How are you feeling right now? I don't know. Anxious, excited. It's going to be a very bittersweet moment because arguably our top three all deserve to win this championship and only one of them will. But one of them will be winning arguably the biggest prize in the WRC apart from the WRC championship because they will go on to going to the WRC2 Championship in 2020 with a brand new Fiesta R5 and 200 tyres for the season. So it really is going to be a career-defining moment for somebody next weekend. It is, isn't it? It is a huge prize. You basically, the championship winner will step out of his little R2 Fiesta and ching, 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 will get the keys to a brand new Fiesta R5. And then you have the WRC2 entries for for next year. And as you said, 200 tyres on top of that. You are good to go for 2020. If you win the junior title in Wales this weekend... 2020 is pretty much sorted for you in terms of competition. It is a massive prize. It's one of the best in motorsport across any kind of category, really. And I'm sure, Seb, that puts then more pressure on the drivers who are battling it out. So let's go through our contenders heading into uh, to GB. Because for everyone who's looking at the, the standings right now, it's Tom Christensen who is leading going in, Jan Solen second, Dennis Radstrom third, but there's dropped scores to be taken into consideration. Talk us through what the situation actually is going into GB. So actually, it's even closer when you look at the dropped scores. And thanks to double points um, scored by Dennis and Jan throughout the season, we really do have a close fight. If we didn't have those, it would be a lot further apart. And it's looking really exciting. We've got double points on GB, which means there's 50 points up for grabs if you win the rally. And uh, double points further down for every classified position. Stage points for each stage. So that's 22 points available on GB. We have a one two-point gap sorry, between Jan Solens and Tom Christensen. Jan actually leads the championship if you drop scores. Mm-hmm. And Dennis has 61 points in third still. But his gap is actually reduced. So it's really close. Dennis, normally you'd look at that gap and you think, oh, that's actually a really really you know that's an outside shot but when you look at 72 points available and a 21 point gap 21 point 21 points out of 72 really isn't that much it isn't that much but you mentioned the double points double point scoring for for wales rally gb which is a huge thing which means actually it's not just our top three realistic title contenders and the guys who have been 
you know, right at the top all season, who could take the prize? We're looking even a bit further down the leaderboard, aren't we, for the potential of someone sealing the championship further back? Yeah, I mean, it depends how further down you go. Roland Palm is in fourth, and he'd need some things to go his way, but he has a realistic outside shot. But it goes all the way down to Sean Johnston, who is, I think he's 60-odd points down but still has a shot of winning the championship. And home favourite Tom Williams, he's got something to really push for on Rally GB. He knows those stages better than anybody else going into the junior category in Wales. So Tom could spoil the party, you know. It's going to be an interesting one. I actually bumped into Tom Williams at Rally Day on weekend previously. He was there having a look at all the the classic cars, the fantastic array that that was there. And it really gutted that he hadn't brought uh, a car himself to play about with on the Castle Coombe track. But he was talking about his expectations for GB7, how much he was looking forward to it. But as well as that, the nerves that come with with competing at home, because I think we'll all be looking at him, won't we? As soon as you see, ah, well, home event for this guy, then you do put that extra bit of pressure on that driver. And and given the fact that he could, outside chance, but he could seal the title, there is that extra incentive, as you say. It's got to play on your mind because you're thinking about, especially for Tom, home rally. There's only one thing on Tom's mind, at least a podium on his home rally. There's a chance, depending on the conditions, he could win it. And that's got to be what Tom's pushing for. And then if he's aiming for that, he's thinking, well, if I can win it and these guys behind me are scrapping for the championship, it only takes a few things to go wrong, as we've seen all season. Yeah. Things just do go wrong. Dennis Radstrom in Finland and Sweden, out of the blue, just completely annihilates his rally. These are the things that we do not know uh, what will happen, basically, on the rally. And that's what makes it exciting, the unpredictability of this championship. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you because it's the same at the top level in WRC. And you can say it's effectively the same in, in the WRC2 category itself. You just don't know what is going to happen next. And I think with juniors, it's that, that extra element is added because you have that prize at the end of the year. And and we know how difficult it is for young drivers to to break through, to, to get that opportunity, get a chance, get some money behind them. And when they're handed the keys to the very own R5 and they have a little bit of a push behind them, it, it it's that momentum throughout the season to see who's going to do that. And I think that makes it extra exciting. And who are we going to be seeing, Seb, in you know, the next five or six years from, from the junior championship actually take the stepping stone up into the WRC? We've seen it across the board with with Loeb, with Sordo, with Meek, with Elvin Evans, with Craig Breen, all who have come through this programme and now are having success in the WRC. And it is exciting because one of these guys could be a star of the future. Yeah, and we've even seen it as recent now, Pontus Tiedemann, he's getting his WRC, WRC outings. He'll be on GB in the Fiesta. And it's really great and encouraging to see these w, junior WRC champions getting the WRC drives uh, and showing that actually this championship is really helping to propel young drivers' careers. And to be honest, I think we'll see at least all of our top three in some decent drives in the future because they, they've all proved, look how close the, the fight is, they've all proved they're a really, really high standard when it comes to rallying compared to the rest of the field. I'm not saying taking anything away from the rest of our incredibly talented field of drivers but Tom, Jan and Dennis have just been a cut above the rest of the season and and they've all got highlights. 
they have. Let's let's go through them then. Tom taking two wins this year and the first win of the season in Sweden, which which was great for him. And then the iconic Rally Finland. I mean, if he was going to pick two wins to have this year, I'm sure they would have been the two. Absolutely. We, at the start of the season, even Tom in his previews, he was cool as a cucumber just saying, this is going to be a really great experience. I'm in this for the kilometres, learn the stages, get the miles. I'm on a two-year programme. And then he goes and wins Rally Sweden. And it's like, wow, you weren't the Swede we expected to win this one. And um, we go to Corsica and he's in the fight for the win again. And Sardinia, Tom played a very, very smart rally there and just got the podium and got a rally result in the back because he knew Dennis and Jan were out front pushing on a really high pace and they were just risking losing the rally. This time they didn't. So then we go to Finland and then Tom, again, he was just in a class of his own. And he, he has been very impressive this season. Mm. Massively impressive. And I I loved in our previous podcast, um, the interview we did with Tom, because you got a real insight into his character and uh, the whole process he goes through in terms of his mindfulness and his positive thinking, his attitude. I felt like I'd had a counselling session after speaking with him on that interview. It was fantastic. So he's really got, um, it's interesting, isn't it? every driver has a different character, but he's really got an interesting way of working and how he sees life and how rally builds into his life. Uh, I was really, really impressed with him. I'm keen to see what he will do in Wales, uh, you talk about uh, you talked earlier about obviously the the stage wins and the extra points the drivers get for stage wins, which is just one point per stage win. Seb, yes, yes, that's correct. Uh, Tom racking up twelve over the course of the season, but that's not as many as Mister Solans and Mister Radstrom. Let, let's move on to Jan Solans, who's currently, when you look at it, second in the championship. Uh, yeah, so Jan's. You know, it's had one rally win to Tom's uh, two. But when you look at Jan's stage wins, that's actually helped him make up for it. And there was a moment on Corsica this year where Jan was fourth and he was ideally going for the win on that rally. And he decided, right, I'm not going to win it. We need to push and get these stage wins now to salvage the championship. And they're the drives that have helped him get into the position that he's now in in the championship. Which shows how important the stage wins are at the end of the day. Uh, he, you mentioned his one win, which was in Sardinia, and that was the event. Of course, we saw Danny Sordo winning as well. So it was two Spanish drivers in the one in the junior category, one in WRC on the top step of the podium. And I know that was a special moment for Jan as well. Uh, so twenty-four stage wins in total, then, which is joint with Mister Radstrom. And how important these stage wins will be at the end of the season, or at the end of Wales Rally GB, we'll we'll find out. It's like power stage points, essentially, in, in the WRC itself. Now, how much the drivers fight for them because they're so necessary. And the same in the junior championship with these, with these stage wins. I mean, in terms of his personality, from what you've seen this year... Uh, you know, how confident do you think he's going to be going into Wales Rally GB? Really tough gravel rally, inconsistent grip across the stages, potential fog, mist, autumn uh, type conditions on the stages. Seb, how do you think uh, Mr. Solens is going to handle that? I don't know about you because he, he's he's doing the test on the Monday. Um, 
and this is going to be something that he's never really had to deal with before or, or at this level because the, the kind of gravel that Jan's been used to is you know the the the, the soft um soft gravel you know because Finland he he was on pace but he couldn't match uh, Tom's pace throughout the rally and I think the weather could play a big part on Jan's rally because he's from Spain it, it never rains in Spain and oh hold on hold on okay, I, I, right, okay. it definitely does we've definitely been there when okay. it's rained before <laughs> correct but compared to the UK Bex yeah all right they probably get a little bit less than yeah. you do, Seb. I'll give you that and I think if if we're dry Jan will definitely be competing for the stage wins if not I think Jan will be pushing to get the result however there is a curveball Speaking to Henrik, Tom's co-driver, Rally GB has been the one they're aiming to win since the start of the season. This is the one that most closely represents the local stages to them in South Sweden. So have we seen the full potential of Tom Christensen yet? Well, we'll find out, won't we? Um, We What about then his, his compatriot, his Swedish compatriot, Dennis Radstrom, who... You know, didn't get off to the best start in uh, in Rally Sweden this year, wanting the win there, but it didn't happen, and it was Tom that took it. Dennis is is a real hard worker, isn't he? And you look at his results across the season, no win this season on the board, yeah, but consistent it's... points, I guess, and of course those those stage wins. Well, he's, he's scored a stage win on every rally. So that there's that. And then the fingers with Dennis is Finland was just absolute heartbreak for him. And it, it was it was it was tough to see and just tough to speak to him afterwards because Remind you know, us he, of the situation because he was leading. Was he he was leading on going into the final day? Remind me, Seb, I can't so remember. Tom, You're the guru. Tom, <laughs> Tom was Tom Christensen was leading, but Dennis was still within shot. If Tom made a mistake, Dennis was there to pounce. He, he was sitting in a very good second position mm-hmm. and he had a very healthy margin to third place as uh, Jan Solens was sitting third and had already made a mistake that day. Similarly, Roland Palm in fourth had restarted the rally and was in fourth. So, all Dennis had to do, in my opinion, get that second, get it in the bag. There's some good points there. And he he pushed and he just got caught right on the, I think it was, not anti but not second stage of the day. That's the one. I was going all complex then. Second stage of the day. <laughs> and he just got caught off the side of the road into a ditch and bust the radiator. And it was as simple as that. It wasn't even a massive crash. And because it was the last stage of well the last day last loop of the rally he had to retire he couldn't restart and it was just horrible. he picked up five stage win points but he could have salvaged 18 other points as well so really oh. Dennis is really far out from where he should be and it's sad because Sardinia him and Jan went hammer and tongue for that victory and Dennis could have won but Dennis decided, actually, I'm going to go for the result here in Sardinia. Jan pushed, and Jan came out very lucky to take the win. Similarly, Sweden, Dennis pushed really hard, had a very comfortable margin, and I think he he was just too in the moment. I think he was enjoying himself too much. And it's, it's, it's difficult to talk about Dennis without feeling bad for him because he's very talented. 
it's his third season. He's got two junior WRC rally victories. And to not have a rally win so far this season, it's, it's just unfortunate. Well, we say that so far. I mean, it, he could turn it around completely come uh, the weekend of Wales Rally GB. And that is the beauty of it. We just don't know what is going to happen next. OK, so those are our three realistic title contenders. What news have we got going into the weekend? Other than the sad news that we're going to see Phil Short actually retire at Wales Rally GB. We talked about this on the previous podcast. What other news have you got for me, Seth? We've got the Rocky Award, actually. Uh, it's been announced that there is a, a €15,000 prize package. Oh, hello. The, yeah. <laughs> Bit of moolah gets everybody excited. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> to the winner of the Junior WRC Rookie Award Championship, uh, they will get €15,000. There is uh, a slight hook towards their following season in Junior WRC. So it so does they mean... have to compete again in Juniors. Yeah, so if Tom Christensen wins, he's currently leading the Rocky Award Championship as well. Uh, I think he's getting a bit greedy with those points, if you ask me. <laughs> Basically, if Tom wins the championship, Roland Palm, who's sitting in second in the Rocky Award Championship, would then be passed on that award. And that's that's a lot of budget that he doesn't have to worry about for next season to get. Yeah. So it's it's actually... I think it's a really great incentive for those that are in the mid-pack that aren't actually going for the championship, that are on a two-year programme. A lot of these guys are on a two-, three-year programme in juniors. a really good incentive to actually push for the stage wins as well. Roland hasn't had a stage win this year, and that's the biggest surprise for a lot of us. We all expected Roland in Finland to at least get one, and uh, he didn't. And it, it was just, we were gutted for him because he was there. Every time he came close, he was point. He was within tenths of seconds, but not quite getting it. Now the the rookie award itself is it kind of it does what it says on the tin, rookie, as in your first year in the junior championship. Yes, but you basically the rules are you to be a junior WRC rookie, you mustn't have participated in no more than two WRC events. So Jan Solens, unfortunately. Uh, is a rookie this year, but also isn't because before the start of the season, he'd already competed in three WRC events. Okay. And then Sean Johnston is a rookie, but if he would win the the rookie award championship, he ages out of junior WRC next season as well. So there, there are um, some caveats to the championship. Mm, I see. Now, one man... Seb Scott, who is definitely not a rookie. He used to be many, many years ago and had success in what was the junior championship back in the day, known as the WRC Academy in 2012, is Elvin Evans. He's one man that has been there, done it, got the t-shirt and gone on to have a successful WRC career with so far one WRC win under his belt at his home event at Wales Rally GB. Elvin is joining us on the line now to chat about all things Junior Championship, his advice to the drivers and how he got started in it all. So let's hear from Mr Evans. He is the man who won the WRC Academy back in 2012 and went on to WRC success. We've been missing him for a few events because he's been out of action with an injury after Rally Estonia, but we're really pleased to say that he's going to be back for Wales Rally GB and is, of course, Elvin Evans, who we're talking about. He joins us now. Uh, hello to you, Elvin. How are you feeling? How are you doing? And are you fully recovered now? 
Hi, Vex. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, pretty okay now, to be honest. Obviously, it was a, a fairly frustrating time to be off um, and a long time, really, as well. So, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a bit tough for sure and a bit frustrating. But, you know, now, to be honest, uh, the feeling's good. Uh, there's no uh, question mark, you know, now moving forward. So um, we can just fully focus on GB and happy to be back, obviously. Yeah, we are happy to see you back as well. And to be back at home, your home event must be it must be a pretty special feeling after having the win there a couple of years ago. I've already been reading in the press that you're targeting a top step of the podium or a podium at least. So you're back with a bang then. Well, yeah, but to be honest, you know, it's it's the same question that comes over and over again. You know, what are you aiming for? What are your hopes? Well, yeah, you know, if you're aiming for, I don't know top seven or top six or top five, whatever it is, then that's the best you're going to get, isn't it? You know, so for sure, you know, we have to go into every rally, uh, you know, looking to do the absolute best we can and, and ultimately going to, to try and win. Otherwise, there's no point to be there. Um, you know, we know ultimately it's not going to be easy and the competition will be tough. But, uh, you know, you have to go in with a mentality to do everything, um, you know, that you can to, to try and win the event. And plus saying I'm aiming for top six or seven sounds a bit rubbish as well, doesn't it? I mean, you're a man who's won the event in the past, so you obviously want to aim high. And it's looking like conditions could be quite you know, favourable to the men who do like tricky conditions because we've had a, a lot of rain in Wales over the past two days and it looks like the forecast is rain, rain, rain right up until we get to the rally which is is that a good thing for you Mr Evans do you like it pretty difficult out there yeah I like obviously a challenging rally GB I think it adds to the to the character of the rally I think when it's dry it doesn't quite feel right somehow um but that said obviously you know repositions and all the rest of it you know I don't want to go on about that but obviously it's not ideal if it is wet but you know, it'll be what it'll be. We we had a, a similar road position last year, and I think we were second after the first loop. So, you know, it, it can be done, and uh, hopefully we can have a good run, and we'll just focus on that. Tell me how, how tough it's been to, to watch from the sidelines, to, to be at home and to be, you know, doing your everyday life, knowing that colleagues, friends are, are out doing what you absolutely love to do. Have you been watching, or was it a bit too difficult to watch? Yeah, I didn't watch a, a huge amount, to be honest. Um, I'm disappointed. To be honest, my time... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say that. I'm disappointed by nothing, that statement no, immediately. No, nothing, nothing nothing, personal, Lex. Okay. Um, there was the brilliant yeah, cameo I mean, on Germany. Oh, yeah, you were in Germany. We uh, yeah, did have I mean, you in the studio. So that, that was great, but didn't get you in commentary. That was yeah, disappointing. I mean, for me, it was... Uh, it, to be honest, the time I spent at home was actually quite busy because I was back and forth to Manchester seeing the specialist and, and the guys at Harrison Ross were overlooking my injury and, and recovery. Um, so I had plenty to be focusing and getting on with. And I sort of, uh, you know, focused purely on just getting it right and, and being back as soon as possible, basically. So um, to be honest, that sort of took the, the focus away from, from what was going on in the in in the in everyday life let's say but then of course when the rally was on then it was really difficult to to sort of be sitting at home mm. when, and watching the times come in to be honest um so so yeah and obviously germany was uh you know even more hard being stood there so um so yeah um that was uh you know uh, a long old time to be to be watching the events but at least now it's it's behind us and we can just look forward 
yeah, I know, and we're really delighted to see you back. And what I was quite surprised at the first event, you know, that you missed after after Rally Estonia when we went to Finland, we finished that event. And you were still fourth overall in the championship. Such has been your fantastic season up until that point. Uh, we've seen such consistent performances from you. So hopefully, second half of the season now, you can deliver the same kind of thing, if not more, because the big question is, as ever at this point of year, is what happens next year? And we all want to see you there next year. Have you got any news for us at all on that front? No news at the minute. Um, to be honest, there's nothing sorted. So we, we're obviously just looking to do the, the best job we can over now over the remaining three rounds. Uh, like you say, the, the start of the season was, was positive in terms of uh, you know some good consistency and, and good flashes of speed as well. Uh, it was... It, the sort of injury came at a really frustrating time because we were really hoping that we could just improve in a few areas and that was bring us even closer, you know, in the in the sort of race with the top three really for, you know, these sort of rally wins and, and podiums. But um, unfortunately, you know, it's the way it's worked out. So, like I said before, we're just focused now fully on, on these remaining three events and, and trying to get as much as we can out of them. Okay. Now, I know we've got some questions from social media, which Seb is going to go through. But before we do that, before I spoke to you, I was was having a look at some of your past results. um, And we are going to talk about the WRC Academy in a minute. But I pulled up your website, Mr. Evans, and I've got a bone to pick with you. Because I don't know who wrote the opening line on it, but they say, uh, Elvin Evans, you know, Welsh driver, displaying unusually impressive speed. Unusually impressive. (laughs) <laughs> where has the unusually come in from? Very impressive speed, and naturally, I would say. So, have a have a bit of a change of that before uh, before we head into Wales, please. <laughs> unusually impressive. I was most put out by that. Is this, uh, this Beck's <laughs> PR surgery? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was I was quite angry. I shouted at my computer screen when I read that. <laughs> Now, the WRC Academy, obviously, this is the final round of the Junior Championship heading into Wales. And we're all massively excited for it, Elvin. And I I know that you have some great memories of being part of the Academy and, you know, the camaraderie, the great spirit that all you guys had together and you had success in 2012. Before we delve into the the social media questions around it, um, what was it like that year being part of the academy for you? Yeah, it was good. You know, I think um, when you're sort of doing your regional championship, as I as I was beforehand, um, I I was obviously aiming towards the academy purely on the basis, to be honest, of of one the where the events were held. So they were obviously on WRC rallies. Um, you know, the fact that the all the machinery was equal, so it was an equal footing. Uh, and you know, ultimately, it was all about winning the prize um, <laughs> because it was the only realistic way for me to to progress my career. Because R five or Super two thousand or whatever the category was at that time was just such a a massive leap, and it was unachievable, you know, for for somebody competing in a in an R two in a regional championship. But even the the JWRC itself was a stretch. Um, so yeah, it was ultimately that fantastic prize really that that drew me to it and uh, and yeah obviously that that level of prize has continued on through the years and uh, you know it's just such a massive stepping stone that you I think if you're a youngster trying to to sort of make it through into WRC then uh, you know there's there's no real better way to do it really. Now I know you're you're heavily involved in the junior championship still in the sense that you will always be on hand to give out advice to drivers go and have a chat and 
and and just be you and and give your experience, which is invaluable to hear from someone like yourself who's who's gone through the whole process and stepped up in into the world of WRC. People are, you know, looking as to you as an inspiration. What what kind of advice or what's the what's the absolute golden bit of advice that comes from Elvin Evans? What's the fallback? What do you always say to drivers? It's it's always a difficult one, but the sort of thing I did when I went to JWRC is that obviously I, I did a bit of homework, what went on the year before. And we saw in Portugal there had been a, a few retirements and we thought, right, if we get through this first round, we just plod our way through, stay out of trouble. Um, you know, and I arrived there and the conditions were difficult. It was raining. I'm sure you'll remember that event in yeah. 2012. It was fair, fair carnage there. But, you know, I found myself... Um, like down in seventh or eighth, or I don't remember what the result was, but it wasn't great. And even then I slipped off the road and I ended up getting very little back from the event. And, and I basically knew that having pulled the, the sort of budget together to go and do it, that it was a, a one and only shot because it was a, a huge investment at the time. Um, and, you know, we sort of said, you know, my, my dad and, and everybody who was advising me at the time sort of said, you know, you're not going to win it like this. Um, mm. You know, so I think we're going to have to to change the the sort of attack here a little bit. You know, you're going to have to start driving like you do back in the UK and and give everything you've got basically. And and from then on in, to be honest, it all sort of fairly came together. Um, you know, and I think we won the next four rounds on the, on the bounce. But basically, you can't afford to. You know, I think this is true. In, it doesn't matter what level you go, go to within the WRC thinking you can come in and, and play, you know, sort of smart tactics and crawl around and win or, you know, that type of thing that maybe you could have done in certain regional championships, then that's completely out the window. In WRC. You've got to give your absolute best at, at every opportunity. Um, and I think that's the only way, really, that I managed to, to turn my season around pretty quickly at that point and, and went on to, to win the four rallies and ultimately the, the, the championship, you know. So, touching on, you know, you've got to go all out on... on each round, uh, Frank WRC asked via Instagram, and it's actually, I think it's an interesting question, with the R2 car, what was the most difficult rally for you? Or, or comparing to maybe the current calendar, what would you say is the most difficult rally to go on with the R2 car? Uh, well, I think, you know, uh, our second round was Greece at the time, and that was quite difficult because you had to manage... You know, like I said, I, I went there with a the view that we had to sort of go for it and, and try hard. But then ultimately, you know, an R2 isn't, you know, there's still a lot of production car left in an R2. Um, so, you know, you still have to protect it to a, a point. And, and I guess going to a rally like Greece, you know, you sort of had to manage uh, pushing versus looking after the car within a reason and, and obviously the tyres as well. Um, and there was a lot of bodging going on that weekend from what I remember um, <laughs> trying to get the car back to service we had we had an instance where we pushed the exhaust up into the fuel tank um, and it had actually melted uh, a, a hole in the fuel tank and it was dripping onto the exhaust and I remember we had a really really long road section back into uh, Lutraki or whatever the service was and we were both sort of saying, you know, Phil Pay was the experienced co-driver I had with me at the time, said, you know, so long as you keep going, you know, so you don't give it time, so long as you keep air going underneath the car, it'll be fine. But halfway through, we were both going, you know, I really need the toilet here and there's no way I'm going to make it back all the way to, <laughs> to go to the toilet. 
<laughs> and I remember we had to take turns with a fire extinguisher laying under the car while the other one went for a toilet, you know. So, uh, yeah, they weren't uh, such fun moments, but, yeah. And then you returned uh, to service and then... Returned to service and Matchek was there with a look of horror, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, but he got it all fixed up and uh, we were on our way. So, uh, yeah, the boys uh, were doing a good job then as well of, of keeping the cars going. And they're still being kept busy this season. Um, so, going from an R2 to an R5 car, what it, what did you do straight after Junior WRC? Because you had maybe a slightly different career trajectory than most junior champions. Um, it after after you won juniors, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, I sort of um, won. There was a, a prize at the time as well to uh, in, or to contest the shootout at the end of the year, where all the the regions came together for a, effectively what was an apprenticeship at M Sport, um, and I managed to win that. And of course, that went sort of hand in hand with the prize I'd had of of five or six rallies in in the R five car. Um, so I left uh, work because I was, uh, you know, working full time at the dealership at that point. Much to my dad's horror, I left the dealership <laughs> and went up to Cumbria to live and work. I lived on site at Devonby Hall in Emsport. Um and basically, uh, you know, I was sort of just in the workshop, um, helping the guys build the very first R5 for the first few months. <laughs> As the time went on, I, I sort of um, got trusted enough to, to be allowed to do the shakedowns for R5s and WRCs and, and do some testing for the team. And then obviously my, my rallies, my, my programme of rallies sort of came in the, in the latter part of 2013 um, and sort of opportunities came with that then. So, yeah, I sort of, um, you know, dedicated my time and went to Sport and, and made the sacrifice to move up there. Um, but I think it obviously paid off um, looking at how things went, obviously, from the end of 2013 onwards into, into 2014 in the World Cup, obviously. And what, was, what was that feeling like, go, go, like driving the R5 for the first time? Uh, and then also that, that season, the WRC car, you know, a year before you were in the small little two-wheel drive Fiesta. That must have been, well, I don't even know how to describe those emotions, really. Yeah, I was quite nervous, to be fair, and, and obviously quite daunting. Um, you know, it's such a world apart. I would say probably the jump from R2 to R5 was even bigger than R5 to, to WRC car. Obviously, the world cars has changed, obviously, in, in regulation since then. But but definitely the, the step from R2 to R5 was the, the sort of biggest step for me in, in my career because the, the R5 works, at least in a similar way to, to how you would drive a... A WRC car, um, so so that took a bit of adapting too. But I guess you know, if if you want to sort of uh, keep moving on and, and keep being, uh, you know, having results, then you know I had to adapt pretty quick. But obviously, I was very fortunate, to be honest, to to obviously have the opportunity to to drive the cars on the airfield day in day out and at least gain as much mileage and, and be ready to accept any opportunity that, that obviously came available. So speaking of experience in driving cars. Um, I think this is a belting question, actually, from Anthony. Um, which of your dad's old cars would you most like to have a drive in? Uh, that's an easy answer, and he tells me I'm a fool for for picking it. But, uh, 
the Escort Maxi kit car, I really, really like the the look of. Obviously, I grew up in front-wheel drive, so rear-wheel drive doesn't really do it for me. Um, but that Escort Maxi kit car was a, a great-looking car, obviously. Um, a lot of power, front-wheel drive. Although he tells me it was a pig to drive, but uh, <laughs> I'd still love a go on it. So what would Gwyndaf pick problems. then? What would your dad Sorry. pick, Elvin? What would your dad pick then? From what his would... old cars? Yeah. I have no idea. No okay. idea. The conversation didn't go that far. <laughs> so, Fair you just enough. immediately end it as soon as you mentioned the Maxi then. Yeah, yeah. As soon as we, we got to the Formula Two car then that was that was that. He said he said you'd see you'd see it wasn't so easy back then. That, and then I just avoided the rest of that conversation. Oh, it's it's always the it was harder in my day kind of storyline. Yeah, yeah, all that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go there. What other social media wonders have we got, Seb? Oh, well, it's quite a simple one, really. And I don't think we hear drivers talking about it enough. How did you get into rally, Alvin? How did you start your rallying career? Well, obviously, I was in, um, let's say, a, a fortunate position, if you like, that Dad was obviously um, competing at a, a professional level. Um, so, obviously, when I was growing up, then obviously it was part of life, if you know what I mean, that he was always going away and competing and I was always going to, to spectate. So, uh, naturally, you know, I grew up around it, but then quite different to most, actually. I did virtually, although I learned to drive at a very young age, it was my grandfather actually that taught me to drive uh, at an age of something like eight. And I had a, a sort of a a scrap car that had come from the dealership in the field when I was 11 or 12 and I would drive around. But I actually did no competition driving bar perhaps the local banger racing um, at all in my teens, if you like. So I, I had to wait until I was 17 and, and managed to persuade dad to, to sort of let me build my own car and then go rallying. So I did no karting or, or any sort of competitive racing uh, of that nature at all. So it was only through... Um, sort of eventually badging him enough to, to let me build my own car and, and then start competing. So uh, I was quite slow to get off the mark, it's fair to say. I wasn't, uh, let's say, so fast out of the box, but um, it sort of came in the end, you know. But uh, I think my mum says that she remembers watching me in the Chepstow race course on my first rally and she thought that perhaps that maybe rallying wasn't for me after all uh, because I was going so, so slowly, apparently. So... <laughs> was that so looking after the car that you, you put so many hours into building <laughs> when did she well, tell you that Elvin? My... did she tell you that later that evening or years later uh, probably a few years later to be fair yeah she wasn't that cruel <laughs> I was going to say that would be a bit of a blow to your confidence <laughs> yeah. I mean you'd yeah. have a really nice car to start driving around in though if, uh, if you gave up that quick what, what was the car and what was that like building it? Well, it was a thousand cc Nissan Micra, and I actually failed to get it ready for the first round. Um, so I had to borrow a car from Tristan Dodd, who was running the Formula Thousand Championship at the time. Um, but the car that I actually built was uh, bought for two hundred and fifty pound, and it had these weird gouges in the roof. So the first job I had to do was put a roof skin on it. Um, it looked like it'd been opened with an axe, but don't ask me who had been involved in. However, that had happened. But I was, was going to say, where did you buy that from? And sorry, I'm not sure. We were, no, in, the, no we were in the dealership, so it would have come from yeah. No, No questions, yeah. <laughs> Less questions on that, the better. Uh, and coming into, you know, nowadays, uh, for, for drivers that are maybe listening to this, that are looking to start their rally career, is the £250 Nissan Micro with axe gouged roofs 
Pipkin still an option or what would you say is the best way to get started now in rallying? I mean, it's it's difficult because ultimately any form of motorsport requires some form of financial support. So, you know, there's no point, um, you know, trying to sort of sell it that, you know, you're going to do it for free or, you know, for a couple hundred pounds. Ultimately, you know, um, you, you, there is a need to raise some form of funds from somewhere. And unfortunately, even that Formula 1000 championship that I competed in back then, you know, guys have gone to, the, the regulations are quite open. And although I probably built my car for something, I think it was under £3,000 at the time. Um, you know, I, I hear stories of a lot of guys now competing in that class with cars that are worth, you know, £15,000, £17,000, um, which is a bit of a scary prospect for somebody starting out. But I think, you know, ultimately, I think the best way to get involved is get involved with your local motor club. You know, there is a way at, at club level to start, you know, especially at night events or, or single venue rallies, you know, to start with a car that's as basic as, you know, um, a cheap, solid uh, front-wheel drive car with the basic safety requirements that you need in it. And you can go rallying. It doesn't have to be thousands and thousands, you know, I would say. Uh, three to five thousand pounds you could you know i'm sure there's a way to start rallying with that sort of budget it is it is yeah. quite a scary prospect isn't it for for young people i'm sure young drivers out there who are trying to find the money to get going and everything but there are so many inspiring stories around and, and certainly yours is one of them i just want to touch on something you've mentioned you talked about building your car and it's something we reference a lot on all live is the mechanicing skills of the drivers, which is, it varies massively between all of you, and you are probably going to be one of the strongest ones with your background. And a question came up on social media from Temu, who's in Finland, um, talking about the rock that you hit in an employer not, that year. It's not, it's not Temu, my teammate from Finland, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not Mr. Sunanen. No, it isn't. <laughs> it's another, it's another Temu. Um, but he was referencing the, the time where you had to use um, a spanner. Where, to make a was it steering arm suspension arm you kind of constructed reconstructed your suspension but you used a spanner um, as part of the arm to do that Wait, that was Finland wasn't it it was Finland yeah yes I mean it was a long day there was no no midday service and it was it was horrific you're trying to drive around with a spanner holding your suspension together it was awful <laughs> yeah but you did it but we this is the thing on. you did it. And it, uh, you know, maybe yeah. some drivers would have just given up at that point, but you thought, right, I can do this, This I'll fashion this, this will somehow work, and it did. And then we saw you last year shouting at Sebastian Ogier, who's one of my favourite, maybe it was the highlight of the year for me, you screaming at Seb to listen to you in Turkey last year when he was trying to fix his suspension and, and get the wishbone out and then get the wishbone back in. Um, you know, you knew what to do and you were trying to help him do that how frustrating was that for you not being able to actually do it yourself because obviously you couldn't touch it yeah I mean it, it was a difficult job to be honest and ultimately I was still a point of contact that he wasn't able to do while he was trying to to do the work you know I was obviously a, a, a point of contact with the team as well so yeah. you know sometimes um, you know it, it's easy to say about doing these things but sometimes it's not always easy you know um, so obviously when I was there with Seb, he was obviously trying everything and getting a bit frustrated, but obviously I had to sort of just try and help him to, to sort of 
try something else, you know, to, to try and help the cause. But, you know, it's difficult ultimately when you're in the heat of the moment and obviously any mechanical skills that you have at that point will only help. You know, it's, it's you're up against it, it's time. And like trying to remain calm and, and focused on what you've actually got to do rather than panicking around is, is probably the the most important part of it, really, rather than actually your knowledge. You know, sometimes rushing can make things worse. Yeah, and you know, I remember that very well because obviously we watched it happening on All Live and then the service afterwards, I came over to M-Sport to, to see Seb's car and to find all of the mechanics plus your mechanics working on his car and you underneath yours doing your own service, basically, because you could. And, you know, they, they trust you enough with your skills to be able to, to do what was needed to be done. And luckily, not too much was needed to be done on your car at that point. But a funny moment for me was listening to you shout to Dan to hand you a ratchet, I think, or something. And he didn't quite know what you meant. <laughs> it, was, it was just a great moment. I wouldn't have had any clue either. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just, I think, sometimes amazed by the capability, especially from you. Oit is the same as well. Who You can just, you can get in these cars, you can drive them so fast, but you can fix them as well, should there be a massive problem. You know, I'm in awe, really, Elvin. I'm in awe of your skills. If you can come oh, and fix my honest, car, Bex, that'd be great. I, I, I wouldn't be bringing your car to me for a service, to be honest. Like, I wouldn't be... Uh... I wouldn't be trusting myself that much, to be honest. But I guess I can get myself out the out the deep end when it really matters, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, you know, when uh, I I don't think I'm that good because obviously the family dealership is is a car dealership, and and obviously we employ uh, sort of uh, five or six technicians, and and they pull wool in my eyes in no time. So um, trust me, I'm not really that good, but you know, I have half an idea, I suppose, where things go. You've dashed all of Bex's wild dreams now of you polishing all your tools and your time off and tinkering <laughs> with all the cars uh, have you been back at the dealership on your time off by the way did 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 dad drag you in and, and get you working uh, for sure initially in the in the first part you know when uh, you know uh, initially then i wasn't really sure what was happening and and how was best to approach it and sort of uh, in the first sort of two weeks I didn't really have a, a program as it were to, to sort of get over it and stuff so yeah I, I spent some time there for sure um, you know I always spend a little bit of time but you know ultimately when uh, when you're doing the championship it's so busy it's it's very difficult and, and obviously I wouldn't be one to to obviously let anything come in the way of our preparations for the rally so uh, I don't spend as much time as I was like to there but uh yeah I, I do the odd day here and there okay we're gonna let you go now because you have a week of rally gb to prepare for i've got one more question for you you talked about going to see rallies as a child watch your dad and i'm sure he was thinking at the time my boy's gonna want to grow up and be a rally driver well you've got two boys who i'm sure will be <laughs> there watching you during the weekend, growing up watching their dad driving rally cars, are you saving now for their future careers? No, I, I've, I'm sort of on the same uh, wavelength as my dad to try and keep them as far away as possible, but he wasn't very successful, so I need to come up with uh, some better device to keep them away from it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's wait and see what happens. They're young enough yet to not quite understand what's going on, so... Uh, so yeah, there's there's hope still that maybe I can 
give them a football or rugby ball or rugby ball. Like I, I'll be behind the rugby ball idea definitely that would be great free tickets are plenty then that would be mega Elvin thank you very much for joining us I know your time is precious at the moment and wish you the best of luck for GB yep spot on see Cheers, you then El. thanks Bye. Elvin so wise words there from Melvin Evans I'm sure all the junior WRC drivers will be paying close attention to that Seb we're days away from from the final rally of the season starting from you guys. Remind us where we can catch up with all the junior action. So if you're a Facebook user, simply search FIA Junior WRC on Facebook. Instagram, we are FIA Junior WRC. And to keep things nice and simple, we are also FIA Junior WRC on Twitter. Please feel free to send us any messages or any questions you've got on any of those channels. Give them all a cheeky follow and uh, stay in touch because we, we want to hear what you guys think and we want to know um, who your favourite is to win the championship. So do let us know. Yes, exactly. Keep keep in touch is the main thing. Uh, and I know that is an avid social following out there for, for rallying itself and for Junior WRC. Let's get that conversation started in Wales Rally GB. I think it's going to be a thrilling final round. I can't wait for it to get started. Seb, Good luck with the weekend. I know it's going to be a pretty spectacular one. So enjoy it for all it's I'll, worth. And we'll find I'll try. out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out who is our junior WRC champion at the end of it. Can't wait. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with another podcast with our champion shortly after GB, I hope. Yes, we certainly will. The final Junior WRC podcast of the year with your champion for 2019 will be heading your way after GB. Make sure you follow all the social channels for the Junior WRC and tune into All Live as well during Wales Rally GB for the all-important updates as it happens for the final round of the Junior WRC Championship. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you in GB.